B-Pod Studios. BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Award-winning movies often have incredible soundtracks, and many of those have gone on to become country gold. We've picked our top five country songs that have been nominated for an Oscar. Text OSCAR to 45911 to see if your favorite made the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text OSCAR to 45911, and we'll send the link straight to your phone. From the Town Fair Tire Studio, for the first time in weeks, weeks, Gaspar Mark, 98.5 The Sports Hub. The gang's all here. Yours truly, Chris Gasper, hey. Austin Globe, hello. Brian Robb, Mass Live, Behind the Glass, hello. Hello, it was hello. Hey, how are you? And you, if you'd like to join us at any point between now and uh, 2P, 2, right? Yeah. yeah. Jeez, it's been so long since I've done it, I forget when the show ends. Six one seven 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 nine zero ninety eight five. Uh, I figure we'll be kind of Patriots and Red Sox heavy here this first hour. Because I know you got a lot of thoughts on both, Chris. You're not caught up with episodes three and four of the Dynasty. We were just discussing that. Yeah, I'm sorry. But here's what I'll say, though. We can still talk about it only because now we're starting to get into the episodes where I was covering the team. Yes. Spygate. So oh, yeah. I am, I am curious how they portray it versus, you know, what my remembrances are and sort of what the reality was. Of it, so we can still talk about that a little bit. I'll be curious to see what how you feel when you pop on on the screen a a, a younger twinkerish twinkyish looking Chris Gasper with some of these scenes and upcoming episodes. Like really? at one point, I was like, "Oh, look who it is!" Oh you my look, god, you look like a seventeen year old. In one yeah, of these I looked. Clips. I looked. It's, it's, it's <laughs> funny. Felger once said this was two thousand six. He was leaving the stadium in Nashville, and he once turned to my then colleague um, Emily Benjamin and was like. How old is that kid anyway? Twelve. <laughs> Talking about me. Yeah. <laughs> Little did he know. Yeah, he'd have to put up with me later on. He, At least that's not as bad as the time Maz completely blew me off at the Herald when I was working there and was so excited to meet him. Oh, really? Yeah. He gave you the the pay no mind list. I mean, in fairness to Maz, and I understand it now, being a sports writer, he had just come back from a road trip and was like, you know, literally had like just gotten out of a cab. I mean, I was he'd gotten out of a cab and was like in the Herald, but I was like, oh my god, it's Tony Mazzarai. I was so excited, you know, young, impressionable. And it was pretty much like, yeah, whatever, kid, get out of my way. <laughs> you never know what's going on in someone's life that particular day. I'll give him that because I, you know, he doesn't remember it, and neither does Michael Holly. I've told them both this, but the first time I ever got a press pass to Fenway Park, and I was all jazzed up about yeah. it. Yeah, um, the those two dudes were the like they were the only ones that like gave me any kind of insight what where I should go, what I should. Oh, do. that's cool. Yeah, because I was you know fish out of water. I didn't know what the hell to do and who to talk to and any of that kind of crap. So those two guys were 
incredibly nice in ter- in terms of like you know showing me the ropes just a little yeah. bit. So uh, I will say, so you know, I finished it last night. I, I got through episodes nine and ten. Okay, and uh, they're embargoed, so you know they tell you, you there's only so much you can talk about because then I guess they'll get uh, all legal on your ass. That's Apple. Um, and I know, look, if you listen to Felger and Maz with any regularity, you already know that we're going to be taking our sweet time with this. Mike has said like I'm going to watch this with you, the people. He's only devoured now. I would imagine the first four episodes, so we're going to take it. Uh, slow and slow on uh, on Felgram Maz. And there's a lot to digest with it. But I, I will say this, now yeah. that I've finished it, because I was so amped with the first two episodes, Chris, and yep. more of that, I think, had to do with me personally with the just the nostalgia aspect yeah. of it. I was like, oh, this is so great. And I had some issues with it. Some of the revisionist history with how they portray the the Brady-Belichick thing. I uh, know the, the um, Brady-Bledsoe thing and how, like, Bledsoe... I think was pumped up a little bit too much in that there was more this discourse around that Rams regular season game. Like, oh, like, what are we going to do? Like, I don't remember that that mm-hmm. way. I really don't. I think more, at least fans, were on the side of like, what are we doing here? Like, this feels so different with Brady. They're winning games yeah. that they weren't winning with Bledsoe. And Bledsoe wasn't – he had gone the other way in 99 and 2000. So what's this argument? So I didn't like how some of that was portrayed. But overall, those first two episodes, it's like, this is amazing. I'm telling people – Order this, even if because I get it. There's things I'm cheap with, like you with parking, uh, yeah. socks, underwear, streaming services. I hate paying for any of those things. Yeah, and so, but with this, I found it worth it. Now that I finished, I'll give it a C overall. It's it's too much fluff. It's too much drama, and I know that we've done so much drama in yeah. recent years as this thing devolved with the Patriots and Brady and Belichick on the show. I want more football, and I don't like how some of the actual games are even portrayed in this. They're either glossed over, and I think you saw this, and you'll see this in episode three. It's like, they win Super Bowl 36, uh, and then the one against Carolina. And the yeah, Eagles. that's like, what I heard. They just compl- And it's like, show some of it. Show yeah, some of it. And I'm surprised by that because I would have thought, you know, to me, this is my remembrance of it. It was like 2002. They don't make the playoffs. You know, they win nine games. Brady leads the league in touchdown passes. So, you know, he's legit. They should have made the playoffs. But Brett Favre basically took a dive against the Jets, if you remember that game. And, you know, so the Patriots didn't get in. But 2003, it wasn't just that they played great football. It was that it legitimized the whole thing. It was like, oh, this isn't a fluke. This is legit. Like, they're legit. And so that was such an important season in Super Bowl. And it sounds like they just, like, go from winning Super Bowl 36 to, and then they won some more, and then Spygate. Oh, yeah, and a Black Betty comes on in the background. Great song. And it's just like they just completely go through those two Super Bowls in, like, a minute and a half. There's no mention of the 21 straight wins. Oh, and, that's a crime. Yeah, you know, so some of this stuff, and it's like, and I've found myself, like, you know, the, the, the prick I could be sometimes, and my poor wife, she's been watching this with me. I'll pause and then mansplain to her. I'm like, that's not how it happened. Oh, <laughs> like, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's the first two episodes great, but I have found myself as this thing has continued. I'm like, eh. yeah. And I've grown increasingly annoyed. And so your colleague at the Globe Boston, uh, at the Boston Globe, Ben Volan, wrote some of this, yeah. too, earlier in the week, and how Belichick is, there's a piling on. There's... Some revisionist history, there's pettiness towards Bill Belichick on behalf of the Crafts, and the lack of actual football. Like, it's starting mm-hmm. to bug me. And for the latest example, in episode three, which you'll see, and hopefully many of you have digested it already, they paint the AFC Championship win against Pittsburgh as Drew Bledsoe's the reason the Patriots are moving on to Super Bowl 36. And sure, he came in for the injured Brady. Yeah, he he was a good. touchdown pass. They, there's no mention of Troy Brown's return. What? There, there's no mention of the block field goal and Antoine Harris's return. So it's a... Uh, it just bugs me in that it's like, you know, for the youth out there that didn't live through it, like, you'll watch this and be like, that's how it happened. And it's like, no, it's not how it happened. There's more to it. And so I felt, now that I've completed it, and I, I would feel like those that live through it, when you get to finishing it in about a month, 
I feel like a lot of people are going to be like, this needs to be redone. <laughs> like, there, there's more to this, especially that those who want to relive the actual football part of it. Yeah, and I think there's like some other stuff that's going to come out, sort of, you know, along these lines, right? Um, remember, we were in Vegas and we met that producer guy who was doing some uh, Patriots thing. Do you remember that? Um, oh yeah, we were out there in October. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Stadium swim. So I think there's another project in the works, at least on the Patriots and the dynasty. Here's what I would say overall. And I watched the first two episodes. Uh, I I enjoyed them immensely. I, I would say this though: this whole thing is a major win for the Patriots and the Crafts because we're talking about this and their glory days instead of the current team. And so the current state of the team, the fact they're coming off a four and thirteen season, the fact that Yes, it's a new day, but you have a lot of inexperienced people now in key roles for them, people who are not proven. They have a lot of work to do. It looks like it's a multi-year rebuild. So instead of us talking about that, and I know we're going to talk about it on the show, but instead of that being the topic of discussion, you know, is Gerard Mayo's coaching staff good enough? Why are we trying to emulate the Cleveland Browns offense? Is that alarming? Whatever. The talk is about this instead. So regardless of how things are portrayed, whether it's, accurate whether there's fidelity to what happened whether it's petty or the whole thing is a win for them because it it is an intellectual countermeasure that takes away from the current team and it's also a reminder of how good they were in the past under the craft ownership so whatever happens in these other episodes i'm going to watch the whole thing is a win for them because everywhere i turn on this station the other station podcasts anything boston sports related they're talking about this you're talking about Belichick, Brady, Super Bowls, uh, the glory days, instead of what has happened now where they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. It's an intellectual sleight of hand is what it, it is. It really is. Yeah. No, even NBC Sports Boston is like the recap show. Yes. They're doing on Friday. It's like, yeah. no, it's a, it's a good point. That It's like, look over here, not here, because I think there are real questions there, and I know that you have some based on that introductory press conference with uh, the, some of these coaches earlier this week for the Patriots. And you you and I were texting <laughs> that day, and it it does leave you with a lot of like, like the, it feels like the inexperience thing, right? There is, I think that that shows a bit with some of these coaches, and you wish them the best, but it does feel like, ooh, they're really at the bottom here, and they got a lot of work to do, right? Yeah, it just feels like, you know, there's there's some uncertainty there. When you look at it, do you think all of these people – in first-time roles are all going to work out and all prove to be proficient at their jobs. What is the likelihood of that? And I'm not so much talking about Mayo and Elliot Wolf, but I mean, you know, Jeremy Springer, the special teams coach. Is that going to work for somebody that hasn't really done it before? Uh, I like DeMarcus Covington, but there are also some people on the, the staff there that don't necessarily have a ton. Like, we all love Dante Hightower, but, you know, is coaching for him? Maybe coaching's not for him. Troy Brown has been a coach, and, and Troy works exceptionally hard, obviously. But is he on really what you would say is a upward path towards becoming like an offensive coordinator? Just because you were a great player doesn't mean you'll be a great coach. No, it's true. So the fact this is not an experienced thing, but just hearing that in these – interviews they were having with coaches, you know, Matt Groh's still there. And I know they're not going to get rid of Matt Groh, and he's very adept on the college scouting side, but don't you think it's kind of – there's some awkward dynamics here. Elliot Wolf is now superseding Matt Groh, but Matt Groh's still part of the inner circle of decision makers. Uh, Brian Belichick, his dad, got pushed out 
but he's still on the team coaching for Gerard Mayo. There's just some things here that to me are like kind of red flags. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it also, I think it's a red flag in that we don't know, and I get it, like now they're just putting this thing together, and there's a lot There's a lot of time to go between now and when uh, training camp starts and you know they start working out, and even before the draft. But I, I left that thing the other day feeling like, well, did we get any insight to what the actual football is going to be in terms of a plan, what their ethos is? Because the only thing you really know is that well, it's going to be less grumpy around here. Like well, there, as I texted you, because, you know, since you brought up our, our off-air exchange, I'll just bring it up on. Uh, I texted you, are they just going to positive people to death on the field? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, we're going to win with vibes. Yeah, which yeah, I love that. Yeah, and that, okay, great. And I get it. And is are they going too far with that, too? Because I think you even got that with the introductory press conference at Gerard Mayo when they hired him. And that it's like, this is going to be a whole new sea change here in terms of attitude. And there's yeah. going to be more of an open dialogue with the coaches and you, the media. And it's like, okay, we get it. Like, at the end here with Belichick, everyone was kind of sick of the act. But sure. are they, as an organization, going too far with that in terms of... I don't think they're going too far. And with Gerard, he's such an earnest guy and he, he connects with people. I think it's, it's, it's absolutely genuine and earnest. The thing is that positivity and connections and relationships, all that stuff is important. But I think at the end of the day for the players, it's are we winning and do I trust that you can put me in a position to win and that you know what you're talking about? Um, you know, again, not to pick on him, but I'm going to pick on him. Uh, the special teams coach, Jeremy Sprint, like he seemed yippee, really energetic. Like a, like a yippee dog. Yeah, I think <laughs> I texted you. I was like, this guy looks like a middle schooler, like hopped up on Adderall. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it was just kind of like, what what are we doing here? They, you better make sure you know what you're doing or, or people, you know, the, the, the players are going to look at it and say, what is up with this guy? Like, what is this act? So the other thing that I texted you, too, was it reminded me of that old Saturday Night Live skit with Stuart Smalley. Yeah, we're good enough. We're smart enough. And we can win football. And games. doggone it. People like us and yeah. we're going to win football games. So it, it, there is an element of it that to me, it just seems like there's a certain naivete about how far. That stuff, how far the vibes go in the winning. All right, curious to hear, hear from you, the people, on uh, any leftover thoughts you had from that introductory press conference with some of the Patriots coaches this week and episodes three and four of The Dynasty. And even though we haven't seen him, Chris, I do want to get your thoughts yeah. on like the Parcells thing and how yep. responsible he is, at least for the, maybe those first three championships, because that was a lot of his roster, uh, and whether or not he might ever end up getting into the Patriots Hall of Fame. <laughs> no. After watching this, I th I say no. Yeah, I don't think so. But if you want to join us, 617-779-0985, we are uh, off and running. It's Gaspar Murray, back for the first time in weeks here on 98.5 The Sports Hub. You're listening to Gaspar and Murray on 98.5 The Sports Hub. BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. Chris Gasper, Big Jim Murray, give me, fuel, give, me fire. give me that which I desire. It's Gasper and Murray on Boston Health for Sports, 98.5 The Sports Hub. because of your lack of context and is that kind of where Elliot came in and made up 
made up to that in terms of filling out the staff? You, you know what I would say is, you know, we all have strengths and weaknesses, and we're trying to continue to sharpen our swords uh, through people and through their experiences, and at the same time, shore up weaknesses or areas to improve. Uh, look, I, I'm not going to sit up here and act like I have all the answers because I don't. Patriots new head coach Gerard Mayo earlier this week speaking with the media along with uh, many of the other assistant coaches like Alex Van Pelt, the new offensive coordinator. I feel like maybe their plans took a little bit of a hit here overnight. Chris, I don't know if you saw this, that uh, The Athletic is reporting. This is uh, Paul Denner who covers uh, the Cincinnati Bengals for The Athletic saying the writing is on the wall and all expectations are that uh, the Bengals are going to franchise tag wide receiver T. Higgins uh, before the March 5th deadline. And this is a guy, at least I know a lot of Patriots fans were clamoring for. Do you look at him as a one, by the way? I feel like he's, like, at best, maybe like a 1B-ish. I don't know. So, you know, it's funny. I had this discussion with Holly on BST. And the history in the NFL of taking somebody else's two and trying to make them your one is not great. Alvin Harper, Peerless Price, Mm. guys like that. However, I do think Higgins can be a one. I think on a team that doesn't have, you know, Jamarcus uh, Chase or Justin Jefferson. I think he's capable of it. And, you know, what was that game uh, he had this year, that, like, outrageous game when Chase was out? Do you remember he made the ridiculous catch by the sideline um, for for Cincinnati to, to get into the end zone late in the game? Is that against Buffalo? I, I want to – yeah, I'm wondering if that was Buffalo. I'm trying to remember. But, anyways, I, normally no, – sometimes they sometimes when you see him, even just, like, highlights, like, oh – and he's the right size and all that. Like he's, I think what you want in terms of a wide receiver, I wouldn't call him like a complete package or anything like that, though. But I think he'd be a good fit here, or would have been. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would have been, it would have been nice. He was top of my list, and it's disappointing now that he's not going to be available. So now you're looking at Calvin Ridley, Michael Pittman uh, Jr., and, and you know Mike Evans, who to me, if I'm Mike Evans, why would I come here? I probably I want to get paid and continue my streak of thousand yard seasons. But I also probably want to be on a team that can win. Yeah, yeah. Gabe Davis. I don't know if you mentioned him. You said Calvin Ridley. No thanks. I I used to be high on him, but boy, he ended up kind of being a disappointment in Jackson. He was okay. Yeah. He wasn't as good as I thought he'd be. You know, I, there were times during that year he he there were times he was really bad and non-existent. But if you look at the overall numbers, it wasn't terrible. I would I take a flyer on him. Depending on what the cost is, but I I thought he was going to have a much bigger season. Should they really be going hard on any of these other free agents? So Michael Pittman is intriguing to me. Again, a guy that I think is at best a two, but you know, tough. I think in terms of again, we don't really know what the hell that their offense is going to be. I have to think it's going to change. Hopefully, from what they were doing in recent years, because yeah. that really only worked with Brady. But Michael Pittman, I think, would be a good fit here as well. Yeah, I could I could see that. But you know, here's a question. You have to look at what the composition of your wide receiver core is. Michael Pittman, my impression of him is he's another like contested catch, physical box out kind of guy. He's good on the slants and stuff. I'm not the biggest Devontae Parker fan in the world, but how many of the same type of receiver do you want to have on the team? Yeah, that's a good point. Any developing opinions on what they should do with that number three pick? I feel like I'm with Tim Hasselbeck. If if I'm a big Drake May guy, I, I think if Drake May is still there, and I think he'll be the third quarterback taken. I would run up to the podium and take him. That's that's. I mean, that's what I would do. What I'm starting to fear is that they're going to take this approach that's sort of the 49ers Lions approach and say, okay, we have all these holes. Let's try and build up the team, and then we'll figure out the quarterback thing later, or we'll go with a lesser quarterback than a bona fide franchise guy, and we can do it that way. Uh, maybe you end up 
trading down from three, accumulating draft picks not only this year but next year, trying to fill some of these holes. And then you get into the second round and you're drafting, you know, Bo Nix. Um, I don't mind Penix. You know, if you want to take a flyer on Penix, uh, I'm sort of okay with that. But I- I'm much higher on Drake May, I think, than a lot of other people. Um, Is it just from some of the commentary you've heard or have you watched a little bit more in terms of his film? I know, look, you, you're one of the people here that actually watches a lot of college football, but is there something about him that has turned your opinion on him? I know, you know, it's not like you were down on him before, but I no, feel like now you're real bullish on Drake May. Yeah, because I think that the thing is, if if you flip-flop his two years as the primary starter, first of all, there's the Mitch Trubisky comparison, which I don't think is fair because Mitch Trubisky started like 14 games. He just didn't have a ton of experience. Uh, Drake May was a starter for two years. He started almost twice as many games as, as Trubisky did. And I think he's just a smarter player than Trubisky was in college. Like, I didn't like Trubisky coming out. But when I look at it, if you flip-flop Drake May's two seasons, if he had had the year he had this year in his first year as a starter, his sophomore year, and then his junior year he had the year he had as a sophomore, which was 38 touchdowns and seven interceptions, I think people would look at him differently. I think they're penalizing him too much for the year he had last year when there was a, there were a lot of changes around him at North Carolina. The offensive coordinator left. The offensive line coach left. Uh, Josh Downs, his best receiver, wasn't there. They had to rebuild the offensive line. He had the whole Tez Walker situation where he wasn't declared eligible. And even just watching, I went back and watched some cut-ups of the Clemson game this year. None of his receivers are getting open, including Tez Walker, who is really more of, a, again, like a physical box contested catch guy so just i look at some of the throws that may is capable of making and they're nfl throws and he has to make nfl throws because these guys aren't open these guys are not separating so i just think people have gone a little too far in docking him for the season there are some you know he did try and do too much at times the turnovers he at times i think would leave the pocket too early his offensive line sucked but also he'd leave the pocket because their best chance of converting these third and six and third and sevens was him running a little bit. And he was pretty good at that. So I, I still like him. I still think it's, it's Williams. My order is still Williams, May, Daniels, and then a pretty big drop off to the next class of quarterbacks. Was he a captain? You know, cause this is the one thing I think that that's was, a good question. that's now important. Cause I remember that being kind of red flaggy at the time with Zach Wilson. It's like, he could be this Mormon Mahomes and he's got mobility and he's got a howitzer for an arm and all of this. But you hear that he wasn't a captain at BYU, and it's like, well, that seems bad, especially when you're playing the most important position in sports. So I, I don't mean to throw that at you. Or, you know, well, it but. looks like – so what I'm seeing here is it looks like UNC did captains by game. Hmm. It looks like they did it – you know, that's what I'm seeing just real quick. So he was a captain for this game. Okay, um, well, that, at least he got it at least for one game. I don't think Zach his, Wilson ever had I'm looking at his bio, it. and it says – what does it say? His bio says captain um, – so I think so. You know, look, I know Cerrone certainly has – he's seen him more than I have, and there's some concerns about him. So we'll see. I, I just feel like, again, people have gone a little too far in the in the other direction on him. For, and the expectations on him were really high at the beginning of the year. But I'm with Hasselbeck. I mean, I think he can be a big-time NFL quarterback. Well, the more I read and hear, and the way you describe him too, it sounds a lot of like what you got with Josh Allen pre-draft, like at Wyoming. Like you see what the attributes are. You see the upside, but not much happened there in terms of production because he didn't have a lot to work with. And then at times he's, you know, breaking off runs and showing his mobility because, again, guys aren't getting open. So – Look, if he can be a Josh Allen, obviously that's a home run. I'm Look, I'll be happy if they take a quarterback. You don't know. Obviously, more often than not, they don't end up working out. It's true. But it's the 
you gotta you gotta throw that rod into the pond, like I keep saying. Well, what if it doesn't work out, Murray? Well, then you throw that rod back in the pond three or four years down the road, like you just ended up doing with I mean, Mac Jones. The only thing that I would be, if you don't want, if you do want to trade down, because I understand that they could auction off that pick and and get a lot of assets, and I get that. But if you're going to do that, then to me, okay, I don't want you then to say we're going to do some reclamation project or, or borderline quarterback like Baker Mayfield. Go out and spend the money on Kirk Cousins to be sort of your Alex Smith until and buy yourself some time as you try you be basically a playoff caliber team to find your Mahomes. My my fear, like I said, is that they're going to trade out of three and either you know draft somebody in the next tier of quarterbacks or just say like, well, let's go with this you know veteran guy. Let's go with Gardner Minshew for a little bit. You know, I don't want to do that. So you don't want Jacoby Brissett or any no. of those real stopgap guys? No. You, you, I, again, and I don't even want Mayfield. Yeah. Is it because you just what you want them to be competitive or like? Because look, we this last season we just went through was absolutely horrible. Um, is it more about that, or is it what you want a guy like that because the program will be better for a younger quarterback to be under a quarterback like? I that? just think I just think you're you're prioritizing you're prioritizing. I don't want to call it incremental progress, but you're prioritizing progress over building a championship team. It's like anything, right? It's easier, you know, when you first start out doing something. It's easier to go from being bad at it to being okay at it than to go from being okay at it to being elite at it. Great. I got you. You know what I'm saying? And so to me, it's like, what's the goal? Is the goal to build a championship team or is the goal just to go, you know, go from four and 13 to like eight and nine? Yeah, look, if they're rebuilding, I've said this before, uh, it, it, and it does feel like it's a rebuild. If you're going to be bad, at least be fun bad. Like, because I don't be bad bad by like 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 last year. I mean, six nothing to the Chargers in December to like a half empty stadium. That last uh, game of the season against the Jets, like where it's bad bad. Yeah, you're like what? They're not just bad; they're boring. Like, just don't be that. I get it. This is going to be bumpy here, maybe for a few seasons. Be fun, bad. Like and, I can and, live with. Fun and I know, bad. I know. At the end, like you know, obviously you're not a big Bledsoe fan. But the one thing of when you draft one of these quarterbacks, at least for like two or three years, normally there's just this element of the unknown and hope. Oh, I that love that. Kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. That's why I always look at the time. I'm like, yeah, sure, take Mac Jones. It feels like you're probably overdrafting him, but that rookie season was great. Yeah, no, that's the fun of drafting a quarterback. People get amped up for that, rightfully so. Like you could find the white whale. Like this yeah. could be the guy. But if they did trade back. You got more number one picks. I could live with it, but I do. Okay. I do think that there is a team that they should take off that list that might be itching for a quarterback and might want to trade up with the Patriots. I'll explain who that is and my reasoning behind it coming up next, along with your phone calls at six one seven 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 nine zero ninety eight five. You're listening to Gasper and Murray on ninety eight five The Sports Hub. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. This is 98.5 The Sports Hub. Sounds like fact, not opinion to me. And this uh, uh, uh. is Gasper and Murray. Look, I think they need to be wide open in this quarterback situation. Like if Drake May is available at three, uh, look, they should be doing cartwheels and they should hurry up and take him. That would be my advice to you know, the new regime in New England. 
to me, Drake Mays, as good of a prospect as we've seen at the quarterback position for really as long as I can remember. I think he's that talented. I think he's going to check that many boxes. And I think that while you definitely have issues and holes you need to fill in New England, starting with somebody that could be, uh, you know, a decade-plus starter and an elite player with elite skills, uh, look, I, I would hurry up and make that pick if I had the opportunity if I were New England. Tim Hasselbeck on ESPN. Sounds pants off for North Carolina's Drake May. Patriots should take him. A no-brainer at number three in the upcoming NFL draft. It's Gaspar Murray here on 98.5 The Sports Hub. So something uh, something along these lines, just quickly, because this was passed on to me from a buddy, uh, from a draft analyst with uh, Walter Football. That's a, yeah. I, I like going to Walter Football ahead of the draft front, you know, getting some of the synopsis on some of these yeah. players. Yeah, no, they do a nice job, man. This guy's Charlie Campbell, who's also high on Drake May. I'll get to that in a second. But this is also what Charlie Campbell said at the time about Mac Jones. Uh, I was reading here, there was a decent variety of rankings when Walter Football sought opinions on Jones from five different teams regarding the 2021 NFL Draft. Three had a fourth-round grade on Mac Jones. One had him on the bubble between rounds two and three. One team gave him a second-round grade. An AFC general manager said the second round was too high for Mac Jones, calling him a mid-round talent, so opinions vary on Jones across the league. This Charlie Campbell called him a stronger-armed Jake Fromm. Distributes the ball well to those great weapons. Jones has some ability. His arm is good, a little stronger than Jake Fromm's. Mack can anticipate, sees the field well. I think he could have a career in the NFL similar to Matt Barkley. Well, he's, he's tracking that he's way. On, he's on track for that. <laughs> so it's like, okay, he ended up being right about Mac Jones. Here's what he wrote about Drake May. Uh, May shows excellent accuracy over the middle of the field. However, the accuracy to the outside, not as good, something he can work to improve. His accuracy also suffers when he throws off platform. Those are things he could improve up with uh, upon pro coaching. It'll be critical that May goes to a team with good quarterback coaching. Uh, along with being an accurate passer, May is very smart with the football. He reads the field, field well, is advanced in terms of his ability to work through progressions. He showed no issues with his field vision at North Carolina. Last year, there were times when de- uh, defenses tried to trick him with switch coverage post-snap, but May sniffed it out, didn't fall for the traps. He missed the blitz a few times in games against Virginia and Clemson. Uh, so learning and identifying blitzes is something for him to work on as a pro. But it sounds like he likes him. And then he got to the prospect comparison, and I was like, uh... His prospect comparison, Jared Goff. Some team sources have said May is like Jared Goff. Expect May to be as a better runner than Goff. It makes sense given that May is a very accurate rhythm passer like Goff. The sources who really like May think he's a better version of him with more athleticism and running ability. Other sources who aren't in love with May have compared him to Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett? (laughs) He's much bigger than Kenny Pickett. Yeah, Yeah, that's a weird one. I don't love some of that, but again, it sounds like he's high on uh, Drake May, much like Tim Hasselbeck, so maybe that's what they should do at number three. If they are to trade out, so I used to be vehemently against trading out, no matter what, especially with these quarterbacks. Like, and again, are they going to work out? Probably not, given given the history with quarterbacks at the top of the draft, but you got to take your shot. But because this Patriots team has so many holes, Chris, if you're getting additional number one picks from suck teams that are also thirsty for a quarterback, I can live with it. I actually can. Um, But something that popped up midweek, Mike found this on Felger and Maz. Uh, uh, This was based on some Vikings beat guy who said a seed was planted at the Senior Bowl. Oh, a seed. Yeah, with a scenario of uh, Justin Jefferson, this year's number one pick from Minnesota, and next year's number one pick from the Vikings to the Patriots for number three. 
And at the time, I said I'd be in because, again, again, I prefer taking your chances on a rookie quarterback with, with so many holes on the roster. I'd take another number one pick. But just cursory research, the Vikings never really bought him out. I don't think you want to make a deal with like, like this with Minnesota specifically. They've had two top 15 picks and one top 10 pick since 2014, and they've only had one top five pick since 1986. They don't bottom out. They're too good. And I also think of that division, okay, Green Bay looks like they're on the upward swing. Detroit. Detroit as well, but... I don't know. Like I always think that the, at worst they're going to have like eight wins or nine wins. Like I don't think you want to do this. The value of the Vikings' first round picks isn't very strong. Is the point? So if they are going to have any trade discussions, if I'm Elliot Wolf, I'm talking to suck teams, the Giants. I don't think the Giants are going to be good. They have the sixth pick. Titans seventh pick. They're a long way away. You're a Falcons. My- I almost said, no, you they're, not, you they're not mine. You were going to say that. Just say it. Just do it. Prick. Just say it. <laughs> the Falcons at 8. <laughs> the Bron- Falcons. Broncos at 12. Your, your Falcons. Not like the Broncos or the Raiders at 13 are going to be doing anything in that That's division. It's going to be tough for you with that Falcons-Patriots trade. It's like, what do you root for? Like, what do you root? Who do you root to be right in that situation? That's My point is, Chris. <laughs> when agendas collide. <laughs> I don't know if I'm dancing and making that trade with the Minnesota Vikings because they don't bottom out. Yeah, it is interesting. I, Here's the other question. I love Justin Jefferson. I, I actually would make that trade just because of him. But that would be really a marked departure from the Bill Belichick philosophy because when it comes to Justin Jefferson, it's not just about getting Justin Jefferson. Then you got to pay him. Yeah, right. Which I would do. I would too. But, but traditionally, that's not what the Patriots have done is, is say, hey, I mean, do you see what the franchise – just the, the franchise tag – for wide, I mean, he's probably going to be about thirty million a year on average as a wide receiver. But even just the franchise tag right now number for these wide receivers is twenty one. Oh yeah, I don't know if you touched on this in your appearance yesterday. Do you make anything with the um, the cap number ends up being huge? Yeah, two fifty five. Yeah, so the average is going to be like thirty two million of space. Twenty team, twenty five teams now have room. A bunch of teams with a lot of space. Is this good or bad for the Patriots? That's a great question. I, I would say it's good because it's still the cap going up, and it's I, I've seen the projections. Um, that they can get to, you know, ninety-seven million if they move on from J.C. Jackson. Given all the holes that they have, I mean, I think it's good. But I do understand where people could say it's bad because now other teams will have more to spend. They might be able to retain their players. But ultimately, given what the Patriots need, um, I think having that money go as far as it can to try and improve your team, and also I think it maybe it makes it easier to franchise somebody and still go out there and be active in free agency. So ultimately, I think it's a good thing for them. Tim in Nashua, first up this morning here on Gasper and Murray on the Patriots upcoming draft. Hello, Tim. Guys, I I can understand trading back and be greedy and get all the picks. But as you know, the generations that, you know, are, are becoming athletes, they're becoming scarce. You cannot take the chance and just for, you know, forego this draft. I, I, I'm in a real, real belief that May could actually be a, a, a decent quarterback. But my question, do you follow that right up with the second pick with the receiver, or where do you guys go with the second pick? Chris? Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's a pretty deep receiver draft overall, so it dependent, you know, who's on the board. But I, I, I would like receiver, but I would have to see what tackles are still on the board. Because they have to figure out what they're going to do with tackle, uh, left tackle and right tackle, with the Wenu being a free agent potentially, unless they franchise him. And again, the franchise number for him as an offensive lineman is going to be north of twenty million as well. So that's that's a lot of money to sink into a guy. 
and it also mets, makes the expectations sort of high for that guy in any sort of contract negotiation. The offensive lineman number got set at $20.9 million. So receiver, yeah, but tell me who the tackles are that are still around at that point because I still think I might be able to get a receiver who can play in the third or fourth round. Feels like uh, this week there's now a little bit more of a push that you're hearing that Mac Jones – We'll be back next year, yeah. and still your stopgap starter. We'll get Chris's thoughts on that, although I think he already just tipped his hand yeah. with that sigh. Uh, we'll get to that, along with more of your phone calls in our long commercial-free segment coming up next, as we will also segue into the Sports Hub Celtics show at noon. Chris Gasper, Big Jim Murray. That's an aberration, which I freely admit. Gasper and Murray. I'm drunk, you're gross, let's go. <laughs> Returns in a moment on the Sports BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. (laughs) Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. This is Chris Gasper. I'm not the one who's red-faced and ranting, so who's the baby? This is Big Jim Murray. Takes in your face, sports. And this is Gasper and Murray on Boston's Home for Sports, 98.5 The Sports Hub. Do you see a scenario where the Patriots have Jones, though, as the starter next year? Absolutely, Laura. If they move back from number three and say, hey, we have a ton of holes to fill, so let's say Atlanta wants to come up from eight to three, and we could get a one, absolutely, You get a year with the new staff. You evaluate him. Mac Jones, as a rookie, played good football. He went to the playoffs. That's not conjecture or projection. He played good football in the NFL. He has actually gotten worse. That's what makes this such a hard evaluation. And I'll say this as well. When a new staff comes in, sometimes they misevaluate who they have. And worst case scenario for the New England Patriots isn't Mac Jones not working out. It's if he does work out. For somebody else. So you want to make sure you know exactly what you have. I just don't think they should sit there at three and not take a quarterback. Either trade back, keep Mac Jones and get a bunch of picks, or say, you know what, we're moving on from Mac Jones and we're going to take, you know, fill the blank, Drake May or Jaden Daniels. Former GM turned ESPN talking head Mike Tannenbaum yesterday on ESPN's Get Up making a case for Mac Jones to return. And as someone messaged me yesterday, a buddy of mine messaged me uh, after hearing this, Mike Tannenbaum is on a Joe DiMaggio-level streak of truly terrible takes uh, with this one. So he <laughs> he recently proposed trading Zach Wilson to the Broncos for Jerry Judy, proposed signing Russell Wilson to be Aaron Rodgers' backup, and now he wants Mac Jones to be back as the quarterback for the Patriots next year. So... Yeah, it, like, no, it's not going to work. And I don't know if you heard it. it was, Devin McCourty was on Felgrim as we were out at the Super Bowl a couple of weeks back. And even he was like, look, like, I, I think the world of Mac, paraphrasing here, he's like, I you know, played with Mac, think the world of him. But it's he's like done here. It's not going to work for him. It's yeah. just, it, what's going to happen, Chris, if he does come back and he throws the first pick six, which you know is going to happen, and the crowd rightfully turns on him again, what, he's going to be fine with that? And you hear about how the, the quarterback room was toxic. So if you take a quarterback, Drake May, Daniels, whoever at three, and he goes, you know, he has a bad game and it goes the other way. And you hear that Bailey Zappi had to watch film down the hall in the wide receivers room. 
that's not going to happen again. It's done here. It can't work anymore. Yeah, I agree. I, I think part of I'm hoping that part of what they're saying in terms of what you heard from Van Pelt uh, about it being a clean slate and all this other stuff they're talking about is essentially they're they're going to try and move them, but they just want to make sure that it's not just a total fire sale. You know, you have to sort of it's like if you're selling a property or something, you know where all of the the leaks are pitfalls are with yeah. that place, but you're going to gussy it up to make it look like it's the best house on the block. So I'm hoping that's what they're doing. And they're not seriously because here's my concern. There is a lot of after Belichick left. I feel like there's a lot of this like Bill was the problem and everybody else is like amazing at their job in the organization. Like they're the best of the best. Every other employee there was just being held back by Bill. And if they want to rope Mac Jones into that, and I don't think Mac got a fair shake from Bill in the end, but also I think he has limitations and it's time to move on. And so if they're going to try and convince themselves, particularly because ownership and the owner was invested emotionally in Mac Jones' success, I'm just concerned that they're going to try and revive his career to the detriment of the team. Yeah, I think some of it, unfortunately, has to do with ownership, too, that they feel like Mac Jones got dealt a bad hand. And sure, fine, he did in 2022. But did he help his cause? You know what I mean? Like he's... yeah. He's got a big chunk of responsibility here for the way this thing has gone the last couple of seasons. And his talent's limited. So I just feel like ownership, Robert specifically, looks at this as like, you did my quarterback that we drafted 15 overall and 21 dirty. We know what the rookie season was like. There's still something there. It's too late. I just think it's too late for I that. also think the rookie season was overrated. Same. I'm with I you mean, 100% honestly, on that. And I was saying that at the time, and you had people you know, running around talking about he, he was a top 10 quarterback in the <sighs> NFL. Uh, Josh McDaniels did a great job with him and sort of, protected him and coddled him a little bit. And do you also remember the the streak of, of time? You know, they played – again, you're going to get mad at me, but I'm going to keep doing it. They played your Falcons, no yes. Cordell Patterson. I know. Right? <laughs> they played Carolina. I think McCaffrey was out. They had this streak of, like, playing these teams without their best offensive weapons, and they were playing from ahead, and he wasn't being asked to do a ton. People acted like every game was like the Cowboys game, where he was very good other than the pick six, you know, that, that got them behind before he threw the pass to Kendrick Bourne. But that wasn't the case. And then down the stretch, when they faltered, you know, he kind of got exposed because they had to play from behind. So that's the thing. You know, I hope ownership isn't still clutching and holding on to that rookie year for something that it really wasn't. Uh, let's go to uh, Don and Carver. Was a thought on the Patriots Dynasty Series, the latest two episodes dropping uh, late Thursday night. Hello, Don. Hey, listen, you guys. Um, I'm not getting any younger and all my literary references I've forgotten because you guys haven't been on the air. What's the story here? Okay. But Jim, at the beginning of this whole thing, you talked about the talking head portion of the first two, uh, episodes of dynasty and I loved them and I'm not a talking head guy at all, but I'll tell you probably with my anticipation for the series in general, but with three and four, it just seems to drag down to the typical slock. And I was wondering if you guys could comment on that some more. Sure, Don. And just to uh, recap why we weren't on the last couple of weeks, uh, I had a, a red eye from Vegas, and uh, I was not going to work that day because I had to sleep. And uh, last week we had uh, the Bruins matinee game. And when the Bruins have a matinee game, we're not coming in for an hour. Uh, the, uh, the other thing, so the talking heads, I'll say this, with episode three, uh, it's 
We haven't watched it yet. You're, it dropped on Thursday. Your viewing habits aren't my problem. You should have watched it by now. Uh, that <laughs> Thanks, they, Jim. That they got Bill Parcells and Mike Martz. There are two moments of like, holy crap, they got these guys yeah. to talk. Like, I think that that's great. So, look, it's a documentary. You're going to have these guys, you know, different, certain media members, others involved with some of these stories. They're going to – it can't be all football. I just know for me, as I've continued to go on and watch this thing in its entirety now, I just want more, a little more football. It can't be all specifically about the games. You have NFL films for that. You can go buy the old DVDs from these recap series and all uh, – recap seasons and all of that. But for this, I saw – Chris, I, 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 I – my – my antenna went up when I saw the runtime on these because before the, oh. any of them even dropped, I thought they were going to be an hour each. And so when I saw them, like, 38 minutes, 42 minutes, the longest one, I think, is the Deflategate episode or maybe the Aaron Hernandez one. And I was like, oh, this is going to be about, like, the, the, the drama, more about the games. Mm. And it is. That, that ended up coming to fruition. Yeah. Uh, let's right, go. Can I ask a question? Yes. So, you know, you had to take that red eye back. What class of service did you fly back? First. <laughs> okay, that's what I think. Yeah. I mean, was it first or was it Delta One? No, it wasn't Delta One, unfortunately. Okay, so it was just regular first class. So not full recline? Not full recline. Okay. Full recline out, first yeah. back. Yeah. No, just because just I had a conversation with somebody at the station uh, about something, and they were talking about how, you know, just basically to save money, people had to fly red eyes back. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And, and then now you mentioned your red eye, and I'm like, wait a second. I, can, I know Jim. I can show you my expense report. I don't put in for the extra service. No, um, no, I know. Yeah. I know you don't. But I was like, I was like, I know there's no way Jim flew back on the red eye oh, in coach. No way. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I was like, there's no way. He Not did a that. chance in hell. <laughs> Look, my wife and I don't have kids. We're never going to have kids. We have some, we're dinks. So we have some extra money. So I'm always. Since it once I broke that seal, I'm never going back. Well, didn't I I'm tell you that? I'm never going back. When you guys, the first time you guys went to fly mint, I was like, you're going to love it, but I'm just going to tell you, it's going to ruin flying for Without you. question. Not even mint, just first class. If for, if for no other reason, they treat you like a human being in the, in, the, in the first class. Even Comfort Plus has gone the other way now, too. You're just like with the rest I of I know. Literally, they're literally like, oh, your Comfort Plus are like, here's your drink. But that's not what I ordered. Here's your drink. Yeah. Like, and I just keep going. Shut up. <laughs> Be happy the plane is in the sky. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, it's now time to segue into the Sports Hub Celtics show as they're finally back. They get the win on the road in Chicago, and they have this primetime game against the Knicks tonight. Also want to get your thoughts on uh, All-Star Weekend, which uh, I have some strong feelings about i still uh, love it even uh, though you know yeah oh yeah that i felt like collectively after last weekend it's like i think we might have seen an 11 year old chris this. still lives on and will <laughs> always love that thing no matter how bad it gets headlines here and then uh, an hour of celtics you want to talk c's 617-779-0985 backstagecountry.com your online home for all things country music <laughs> Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. Jack's Abbey on 98.5 The Sports Hub. That should give us our final margin. Celtics have 